Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As we just read from Colossians chapter 2, that your hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the fullness, the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul, in the book of Colossians here, is talking about the majesty and the mystery of Christ. He's talking about how great and majestic it is that our Lord has risen from the dead, ascended on high, and now rules all creation for his purposes. And yet what makes this majesty so amazing and intriguing is not that Jesus is God, not alone. We can talk about the majesty of Jesus being God as an amazing truth, and we want to rise up to that wisdom that we can find in God. But the true majesty is the humanity of Jesus. That this Jesus who ascended on high first descended. That he arrived into our world to rescue us from sin. That's what makes this amazing. It is not just that Jesus possessed the fullness of the Godhead, but Paul says, in him is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, in human form. That is where the mystery and the majesty come together. So we see Jesus, a man, a human man, who slept did he snore? A human man who ate. Did he burp? A human man who was born a baby. Did he have a dirty diaper? Yes. Luke chapter 2 says that he grew in wisdom and stature, and in order to grasp the majesty, you have to first grasp the mystery of his humanity that he was human, and he grew in wisdom, and he grew in stature. So Jesus grew from a boy to a man to a rabbi. He ate, drank, slept, and learned, and he had to learn just like you and I learn, by listening, by asking questions. He went to school. He was educated. He asked questions, and he learned answers. And what do you suppose was his primary textbook? For learning. It was the Hebrew Old Testament. Luke chapter 2 tells us how Jesus, when he was just age 12, was in the temple sitting at the feet of his teachers asking questions. Questions about the scriptures. They say that his questions were so insightful that the priests were stunned, and his wisdom already at that age was surpassing his teachers. But this event at the temple is not meant to show us that Jesus was God, but that God was man. The point is that Jesus learned the scriptures. He learned wisdom. He grew in wisdom. And he learned it 
by looking to the word of God and specifically, he would have known the book of Proverbs. He would have known these sayings of Solomon and later in his life, he said, there is one even greater than Solomon in your midst. We're starting a sermon series today in the book of Proverbs, which will talk to specific places in your life where you need wisdom. We'll be talking about specific topics like friendship, communication, work. But in each of these topics, you can pull out a proverb and see how it speaks to you. And yet, never miss out on this introduction. That it's only in Jesus that we understand fully the wisdom that the book of Proverbs is trying to talk about. It's only in Jesus that we see what wisdom is all about. And it's not about just having the answers. In the West and in America, we tend to think of wisdom as knowing the answers. Getting the facts right, getting the numbers, solving the problems. Wisdom tends to be, in our society, more about how smart you are. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? And the questions then that measure that are questions about facts, about history, about math problems, about memorization for the test. But wisdom does not work this way. Wisdom, in an Eastern mindset, is different. In the East... Wisdom is not something you possess to get answers. It's something you search for on your journey. It's pictured in the book of Proverbs as a lady who's calling out to you. She's calling out to you in the streets, striving to get your attention and tell you which way to go and invite you into her house so you can learn more. But she doesn't belong to you. Proverbs 4, verse 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is getting wisdom. So as we look into this meaning of wisdom, we see how it all begins. And I gave you a definition in your bulletin that we're going to be working with. And the definition I want to think about there in your bulletin is the practice of a reflective mindset which perceives how daily life either harmonizes or clashes with God and his design for the created world so that you grow in the art of responding rightly. Now that's a mouthful, but if you break it down piece by piece, what it's saying is, on the, one, on the front end you have the practice of a reflective life, and on the back side you have learning how to respond in your daily life. So it begins with that reflective mindset where you're looking in your daily life to see where God is at work, where things are either going in harmony with what God wants and what he's created this world to be, or where it's disharmony. And then how you can continue to grow in the art of living out your life with God. So let's look at each one of those things. There's six things there. And also look at how these apply to Jesus' life as well to see this is really all about Jesus. First of all, the practice of a reflective mindset. That's the first thing. How you think about your life, about questions, about things that are happening. In the book of Proverbs, there's three people 
three categories for how you think. There's the wise, there's the fool, and there's the simple. Now, the wise and the fool are on two different paths. The wise is heading toward life and happiness and health, and the fool is heading toward destruction and trouble and death. Then in the middle, there's the simple. And the book of Proverbs will speak to the simple. And the simple is the person who's not yet decided which path they're on, not yet made that commitment to one or the other. And the simple could go either way. A simple is easily influenced. The simple are the sheep who are easily led one way or the other without a shepherd. Many of these proverbs were written by King Solomon, and you remember the story of how Solomon as a young boy, as a young king, was given an invitation from God to have anything he wanted. He told Solomon, I'll give you anything you ask. What would you ask for? A reflective mindset will not jump right to the end of what you want the outcome to be, but it will focus on how you make the decisions to get there. And so King Solomon doesn't ask for riches. He doesn't ask for more power, but he asks for a hearing heart. The word in the Hebrew is a heart which listens. And here he writes the Proverbs 1 verse 7, and he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's pictured in Proverbs as a son who has a hearing heart, who listens to his father. Now Jesus is continually showing us this practice in his life, a reflective mindset that listens. Time and time again, you'll see in the Gospels Jesus retreating, leaving the disciples, disappearing, and nobody knows where he went. He goes up on a mountain. He goes out into the wilderness. The Bible uses the word the deserted place or the lonely place or the quiet place. Have you ever wanted to get away? Get away to the quiet place? Sometimes we get so busy with our lives that we don't practice this reflection. We don't get away to the quiet place to listen. So it begins with that reflective, quiet listening as you think about these Proverbs and then you begin to see something. Perceiving, the second thing is to see. You have the wise, the fool, and the simple. And the simple is trying to see which path to go down. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 10, contrasts these two paths. Verse 14 says, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it, turn away from it, and pass on. Then verse 18, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. And then chapter 4, verse 25. Let your eyes look directly before you, and let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. 
If you're taking notes here, you can jot down some of these verses because you're going to want to go back this week and look at them. So this was chapter 4, verses 10 through 27. Two paths. And Jesus talked about the two paths, didn't he? In the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7 of Matthew, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. It's hard to find the narrow path. It's hard to find the way of the wise. It's hard to see it, because we have so many other things in our face that we're seeing all the time that are distracting us, tempting us, leading us, our minds, to meditate on things we're angry about or afraid of. But the book of Proverbs and Jesus teach us to slow down. Jesus is not interested in what the outcome looks like. He's interested in how you're handling these two paths, the heart and the mind. And this affects your daily life. Third thing is daily life. In daily life, we learn what's practical. Sometimes we come into church and we sit down in the pews and we think there's a disconnect. Maybe it doesn't seem so practical when we pray or when we worship or when we sing hymns. Many people like the book of Proverbs because it is so practical. But we should never miss out on the fact that all of God's word is practical. All faith is practical. All prayer is practical. Proverbs is just one way of looking at it. To see God in daily life is part of everything we do as Christians. But Proverbs is especially good at highlighting things that we need to hear, things that are practical and simple. So, for instance, in chapter 27 of Proverbs, verse 14, it tells you the wisdom of not talking loud in the morning. We all know the wisdom. Don't talk loud in the morning. Maybe your kids talk loud in the morning when you're trying to sleep. It's simple. Or chapter 27, verse 17, iron sharpens iron. You need the people around you. You need the back and forth of people who think differently than you. Iron sharpens iron. And chapter 12, verse 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. The practical sense of our daily life is to be disciplined. That God and how God uses the circumstances around us discipline us. They correct us. And if you don't like that, Proverbs says you are stupid. It's practical. Daily life. How often was Jesus wise in daily life? How often did Jesus really focus and teach things that were about daily life? His parables are filled with things that are about daily life. Farming, journeys, family. He talks about a wise steward who was given stewardship over the master's house while the master went away. 
And how blessed that steward is when he pays attention to his job while the master's away and takes care of the property. But what about the foolish steward when the master comes back and the steward says, my master's delaying, he's taking too long. And so he begins drinking his wine, he begins throwing parties, he begins sleeping in his master's bed. How's the master going to feel when he comes home and finds that? This is your daily life your stewardship. And then you begin to see how that daily life, what's happening in your life, either is clashing or is harmonizing with God and his design for the created world. There is an interesting story told by J.R. Tolkien. Now, he wrote The Lord of the Rings, which some of you may know. He also wrote The Hobbit. But he wrote another book people are less familiar with because you could never get through it all. It's called The Cimmerillion. And in The Cimmerillion, he tells the fantasy background to the Lord of the Rings world. A world with elves and hobbits and wizards. But he tells this backstory, which is the creation story of this fantasy world he created. And in it, he likens the first beings to angels. And he pictures God creating all these angels. And God creates all these angels, and then these angels start singing. That's the first thing they do, is they sing a song of rejoicing. But there's one angel that's singing a different song. He goes off by himself, and he starts singing a song that's different. It doesn't harmonize with the song that the first angels are singing. Instead, it clashes. It's discord, disharmony. And he keeps singing and singing, trying to get more angels to join his song, the one he invented. At the beginning of time, God created a world that was meant to work a certain way. And he entrusted angels with overseeing this creation, along with man. But there was one angel that sang a different song. One that was in conflict with the design that God had intended for this world. And that, of course, was the devil. When you look at your daily life, you can see places where things are in harmony and things are in discord. Jesus came to restore the harmony. Proverbs chapter 8 is worth reading this week. Because it tells of where wisdom came from, Proverbs 8, verse 22. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth meaning wisdom. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made the firm, the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, I was there beside him like a master workman. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world. Who do you picture when you hear that? 
Because if you go to the New Testament, you find two specific places where it says this is Jesus. In John chapter 1 and in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes... Chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So that wisdom is about the design that God intended for this world, when your life, when your health, when your happiness is harmonizing with what God intended. That's righteousness, that's wisdom, and that's Jesus. Jesus is the design for what God intends for your life. Now, do things always go that way? Do things always go according to God's design? Well, no. The Garden of Eden pictures God walking with his people in the morning, talking with them, walking with them, but then all of a sudden they're hiding. They're blaming him. They're blaming each other. They're not walking with him. And so the story of salvation is Jesus coming into our world to restore what is right. In Luke chapter 4 and 5, you see this. Jesus comes. He confronts demons. He heals the sick. He calls his disciples to follow him and walk with him and be with him. And he's still doing that today. But not everyone receives him. Some in Nazareth reject him and they cast him out. Jesus said, if you, if you listen to these sayings of mind, you are like a wise man who designed his house properly, built it on the rock so that when the storms came, it didn't crumble. That design helps you to grow in the art of responding rightly. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. That's not a science. Wisdom is not something you can calculate and learn in a math book. It's an art. It's a practice. Trusting is a lifelong practice of reflection, listening, and looking for where the Lord is leading you. And that's hidden from us. It's not on the surface. We said that the mystery and the majesty is hidden in Christ, the treasures, which means that in your human, ordinary messy life, when things around you seem to be going haywire, Jesus is always there, calling you to set things right, calling you back to him, calling you back to faith. Amen.